Welcome to The Great Detective of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. I do encourage you to check out my ebooks. All I Needed to Know, I Learned from Columbo, and All I Needed to Know, I Learned from Dragnet. Each of these books examines the careers and history of seven great detectives and policemen and life lessons that can be learned from them. You can find them as ebooks or as audiobooks through audible.com or the Apple Store. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Mr. Chameleon. Now, I do want to warn you that you may not want to listen to this episode if you're driving or operating heavy machinery right now. The original air date on this is November 10th, 1948, and the title is The Case of Murder and the Sleeping Man. Next, Mr. Chameleon, the Man of Many Faces. Tonight, we again present the famous Mr. Chameleon of Central Headquarters in his most famous cases of crime and murder, brought to you by the makers of genuine Bayer aspirin. Now let me tell you who Mr. Chameleon is. A college man, he tried from childhood to live up to the name he bore, Chameleon, by taking on the color of whatever situation in which he found himself, appearing in endless guises, finally entering the police force where he became known as Chameleon, the man of many faces, the underworld's most dreaded man. The listener invariably knows who Mr. Chameleon is no matter which disguise he assumes, but the criminal he's tracking down seldom does. Tonight we give you Mr. Chameleon in The Case of Murder and the Sleeping Men. Our story opens in the ornate oak panel dining room of John Croton, the copper baron, whose ruthlessness is as famous as his great wealth. And that quality of ruthlessness is apparent now as he sits regarding the two men who face him across the dinner table, smiling at them over the top of his brandy glass. Now, gentlemen, there's no need for us to quarrel, is there? You, Marks, and you, Kelly, I value your friendship highly. Then why are you trying to ruin us? Croton, you promised us if we bought that copper mine independently, you'd take it off our hands. You're leaving us stuck with a valueless piece of property. Exactly. I've decided it's valueless, too. I didn't think so at the time that I gave you my promise, Mark. But a promise is a promise. You amaze me, Kelly. No promise is worth anything unless it's in writing. Please, let's keep our voices down. I've had enough of hysterics. It's bad enough having Larkin walk out on this dinner party telling me that someday someone was going to kill me. But, Croton, I we... dislike having the servants overhear such talk. Which reminds me. Agnes. Oh, Agnes. 
yes, Mr. Croton. Agnes, we shan't need anything more for the present. We'll be sitting here at the table for some time, so leave everything till later. Yes, sir. Fine woman. Been with me for nearly ten years. I'd hate to have her get a wrong impression of me from you, gentlemen. And now, two hours later, we hear Agnes, the maid, standing at the door of the dining room and calling out... Mrs. Croton! Mrs. Croton! Yes, Agnes? There's something wrong. It's nearly half past ten. And I went into the dining room, thinking Mr. Croton and the other gentlemen would be finished dinner. And they're all sitting at the table asleep. But this is impossible. All of them asleep. I tell you, they're sound asleep. I can't rouse them. They can't be. John, John, what's the matter? Mr. Kelly, Mr. Marks, wake up. Wake up. <gasps> Agnes, call Dr. Ames and call the police. I'm afraid that my husband is dead, that he'll never wake up. John, John, speak to me. And a little later, the famous detective, Mr. Chameleon, from Central Headquarters, the man of many faces the underworld's most dreaded man, stands in the doorway of the richly gloomy dining room. He stares at the grotesque scene before him, and he says to Detective Sergeant Dave Arnold, Look at that, will you, Dave? Three men at a table. Two of them asleep and one dead. I've never seen anything like it, Mr. Chameleon. Well, let's take a look at these brandy glasses. It's a fourth place, I notice, which isn't occupied. This is all weirdy, all right. Well, Dave, John Croton, the host at this astounding dinner party, unquestionably has been murdered. The other two men will wake up. What? They'll wake up? Mm-hmm. Very shortly now. Doctor says their respirations are becoming more normal all the time. But what was it, Mr. Chameleon? Why did all three men go to sleep at the dinner table? Well, they were given some sort of a sleeping potion. It was fatal in Croton's case, but not with the two others. Possibly because Croton was given a larger dose. Oh, what a method of murder. Let's examine these brandy glasses, Dave. Careful. Don't get any fingerprints on them. This one's Mr. Croton's. Definitely smells odd. Yes, Mr. Kelly's too. Mr. Marks, same thing. This one, which uh, presumably belonged to the missing guest, this one, I'm sure, contains nothing but brandy. Dave? Yes, Mr. Chameleon? I want the contents of these glasses analyzed immediately. Meanwhile, I shall sit here and wait for our heavy sleepers to awaken. Mr. Kelly, now that you're awake, tell me what happened. I don't understand what happened, Mr. Comedian. The first thing I knew, I was feeling drowsy at dinner. And then, well, then nothing. I was blacked out completely. How long do you feel drowsy? Well, can you remember roughly? About ten minutes. I'd say about fifteen minutes. One at a time, please. I'll question you later, Mr. Marks. Mr. Kelly, how long do you feel drowsy? Ten minutes. Mr. Marks? I'd say fifteen. I suppose we never will know how long it took John Croton to die. To be murdered, you mean. Uh, tell me about the third guest at this dinner party, Keith Larkin. Was he a business associate of John Croton's, just as you were? Yes, Mr. Comedian. Did he quarrel with Croton just as you did? He certainly did. Larkin was so angry that he jumped up and left the house. And just at the time the coffee and brandy were served. 
Did he have any of the brandy? He uh, sipped at it, I believe. What do you suppose happened to him? Nothing, Mr. Kelly. His brandy was just brandy, which reminds me. Uh, Miss Croton, you come in here, please. Yes, Mr. Cabine. Mrs. Croton, we were shocked to hear of John's death. That, that he should have died and we didn't. That is the interesting angle, I agree, Mr. Marks. Miss Croton, tell me about that brandy. You had it for long? This is the bottle right here. I, I really don't know, Mr. Chameleon. It doesn't look familiar. Mrs. Croton, it must look familiar. Well, I, I mean, uh, well, didn't Keith Larkin bring that bottle of brandy tonight? And didn't I see him hand it to you when he came in? Is what Mr. Kelly says true, Mrs. Croton? Yes. Yes, it is. But surely you don't think I put anything in the brandy? Did you? No, no. That'll be all, Mrs. Croton. That'll be all for you, Mr. Kelly, Mr. Marks. I'll see you later. This is a terrible thing. Murder, I can't believe it. Dave? Yes, Mr. Chameleon? Did you bring Keith Larkin here? All right, in the hall. Will you come in, Mr. Larkin? Good evening, Mr. Larkin. I am Chameleon of Central Headquarters, investigating the murder of John Croton. This is an unbelievable thing. But how is Laura, Mr. Chameleon? I, I saw her going out that door crying. I have an idea, Mr. Larkin, that she will not be the only one who sheds tears before this case is over. I've known her for years, since before she married John Croton. I'm very fond of Laura. But you weren't so fond of her husband. No, no, I wasn't, but I didn't kill him. Certainly, I had no reason to try to kill Marks and Kelly. Mr. Larkin, what do you know about chemistry? Chemistry? Why, nothing. Not a thing? Mr. Chameleon, I said nothing and I meant nothing. Somebody in this case knows a great deal about chemistry. The sleeping potion that was in the brandy was a remarkable concoction. But couldn't a thing like that, well, couldn't it have been purchased? Yes, it could. Every laboratory in New York is being questioned right this minute. Doesn't it strike you as very odd, Mr. Larkin, that your glass of brandy alone did not have any of the sleeping potion in it. But, Mr. Chameleon, I had no chance to doctor that brandy. I understand you did. You brought the bottle of brandy here tonight. Agnes, the maid, tells me it was you who opened the bottle and Mrs. Croton poured the brandy. But, good heavens, that doesn't prove that I'm a murderer. That remains to be seen. Why would your glass alone be free of poison? Mr. Chameleon. Yes, Dave. Oh, are the uh, laboratory reports in yet? Yes. Mr. Larkin, thank you for coming here. Good night. Good night, gentlemen. The only news I've got, Mr. Chameleon, is bad. Not a laboratory in New York can give us a lead. All I could say was... That that sleeping potion was a very rare combination. That's right. And just like you said, a genius in chemistry worked it out. And a deadly killer. Our problem, Dave, is to find out which person involved in this case is a genius in chemistry. That person is the murderer. I wonder if Mrs. Croton could have done it. I don't know... Well, come to think of it, one of the discoverers of radium was a woman. Uh, bring in Agnes Holmes, the maid. She was the first one on the murder scene. Agnes, you're holding something back. You're not telling me all you know, and you are going to. Mr. Chameleon, I've told you over and over. I don't know anything about chemistry... No, neither does Mrs. Croton. You're very fond of her, aren't you? Yes, I am. And you've worked here in the Croton home for ten years? Yes. Then is it true that Mrs. Croton hated her husband? If she did, I don't blame her. He treated her something terrible. Uh, I, I mean, I mean... You mean she hated him? You didn't intend to tell me, Agnes, but you did. Good night. 
Uh, Dave? Yes, sir. You bring uh, Marks back in here? Yes, I'll get him. Mr. Marks? Yes? Well, Mr. Chameleon, what do you want to know now? One simple thing. Where did you get your training in chemistry? Training in chemistry? I never had any. Someone who was in this house tonight is an outstanding chemist. He mixed and administered the murder potion. Well, I didn't do it. I was nearly murdered myself, and so was Robert Kelly. We were put into a dead sleep by the murderer. What is your idea of who the murderer is? Agnes Holmes, that maid who served the brandy. With what motive? I'll tell you with what motive. She invested her life savings on John Croton's advice, and she lost every penny when he could have prevented it. You understand that is a direct accusation, Mr. Marks. Never mind, I'll see you tomorrow. Dave? Yes? Uh, you bring in the other guests at the uh, dinner tonight, uh, Robert Kelly. Mr. Comedian wants to question you, Mr. Kelly. In here. But why keep after me, Mr. Comedian? It's ridiculous. What do you gain by all this questioning? Mr. Kelly, am I correct in having heard that you are very interested in chemistry? I don't know the first thing about it. You probably misunderstood. It's Keith Larkin. Chemistry's his hobby. I see. Getting back to the murder of John Croton, the sleeping potion that was administered in the brandy was cleverly handled. I wonder who would have done it. Well, Agnes the maid brought in the brandy. Poor old Agnes. At least she didn't kill herself when she lost all her money. Kill herself? What do you mean, Kelly? Why, Mr. Comedian, didn't Marx tell you that his brother committed suicide because John Croton ruined him financially? So you don't know anything about chemistry, Mrs. Croton? Mr. Chameleon, I've told you over and over I know nothing about it. Neither does Keith Larkin. I was told that Keith Larkin's hobby is chemistry. Queer that you didn't know it. All I know is you've been hounding him, and it just isn't right, Mr. Chameleon. Suppose he's guilty of murdering your husband. Keith couldn't be. He's a wonderful man. And you love him. I want to be sure of that, too, and I'm afraid you've given me the answer, Mrs. Croton. Now, a day later, Mr. Chameleon, the famous detective, is walking along the street with Detective Sergeant Dave Arnold. Dave, it's maddening. I dug up all sorts of information. Who hated John Croton and why? Believe me, they all hated him. I know everything except that one vital fact. Who among them has a thorough knowledge of chemistry? Search me. We've run everybody's record down in this town. Well, I have an idea the answer won't be in this town, Dave, but let's say in Switzerland. What? <coughs> Mr. Chameleon, look out! Dave! Holy mackerel! Look at that, will you? An iron bar. Must have fallen off the roof of that building. And that building, Dave, is right next door to my own house. Hey, you're right. Someone's dropped it to kill you. I'm going up there. No, wait. I'm going up on that roof. It's an apartment house. Anyone can get on that roof. No. They'll be gone by the time you get there. But... I have just learned something else, Dave. Whoever killed John Croton is ready to kill me and thinks that I've got something on him. And perhaps I have. Well, you sound almost happy about it, Mr. Kameer. It gives me an idea. If only the killer could be persuaded to try to kill me in exactly the same way that he or she killed John Croton. You mean to say you're going to put yourself on the spot again? I tell you, Mr. Chameleon, one day somebody's going to kill you off. Maybe you're right, Dave. I'm going to take the chance. 
Mr. Chameleon, and the case of murder and the sleeping men continues in just a moment. The two most important kinds of relief to anyone suffering from ordinary headache, neuritic, or neuralgic pain are fast relief and gentle, dependable relief. And genuine Bayer aspirin gives you both. It's amazingly fast because it's ready to go to work in two seconds. And it's completely dependable because its single active ingredient is so gentle to the system, mothers give it even to small children on their doctor's advice. Add this to Bayer Aspirin's record of use by millions of normal people without ill effect, a record no other pain reliever can match, and it's easy to see why Bayer Aspirin is one thing you can take with utmost confidence. So don't experiment with drugs that have not stood the test of time. For fast relief and for the dependable relief that's important to your health, do as millions do, use Bayer Aspirin. When you buy, ask for it by its full name, Bayer Aspirin, not just for aspirin alone. Get the 100-tablet bottle, and you get Bayer Aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. And now, back to Mr. Chameleon and the case of murder and the sleeping men. It is several days later, and in the police commissioner's office, the commissioner is saying to Mr. Chameleon, the famous detective, the man of many disguises, you mean to tell me, Chameleon, that you've gotten permission from that law firm of John Croton's to pose as one of their assistants? I have indeed, Commissioner. I saw Mr. Crandall of Crandall and Crandall, and he's anxious to help the police in every way he can. Mm-hmm. So tonight, when I go to call on Mrs. Croton and company, I will be disguised as Cyrus Hayden, one of James Crandall's rising young lawyers. From his well-polished shoes to his trim little mustache, Cyrus Hayden will be correct, conservative... And calm. And the target for the killer, Chameleon. Yes, exactly, Commissioner. I've called a meeting at the Croton home, or rather, Cyrus Hayden has called it. See, I told them that the firm of Crandall and Crandall has unearthed some information, some highly incriminating information, about one of them. What is the information, Chameleon? A definite knowledge of chemistry. It's uh, not an out and out lie. I do have a lead. But it's not enough to go on. And you know my motto, Commissioner, the innocent must be protected and the guilty must be punished. I don't even like to cast suspicion on the innocent. But, Chameleon, they give them a chance to kill you. That's the only way, Commissioner. In my disguise as Cyrus Hayden, I'm going to take Mrs. Croton a bottle of brandy. Brandy kills the taste of that sleeping potion, you know. During the course of the evening, I shall make a telephone call. Give everyone there a chance to put a lethal dose of sleeping potion in my glass. You expect to catch them at it? No, But, Commissioner, for every poison, for every deadly concoction, there is an antidote. I know the name of the antidote for this one because I checked on it, chemical laboratory. The killer must also know the proper antidote. I'd say so, yes, Chameleon. If possible, I am going to make the killer tell me what the antidote is and convict himself of having an expert knowledge of this deadly sleeping potion. But, Chameleon, you're running a terrible risk. Won't you need an accomplice? Yes, I will, Commissioner. That's the trickiest part of all. I can't use Dave Arnold. It must be one of the group who are under suspicion, someone working on the inside with me. So you see, Commissioner, I not only have to guess who's guilty, I have to guess who's innocent and take a chance they won't double-cross me. I am, Dave, in my disguise as Cyrus Hayden, ready to go in the Croton house. The disguise is terrific, Mr. Chameleon, but I wish you'd let me go in with you. I'm 
just got a hunch they're going to get you tonight. If I'm not out in 30 minutes, break in. Can I have a sight, Dave? I'm going in. Uh, that is, Cyrus Hayden is going in. Uh, to be killed by a sleeping potion or to come out with a murderer. Good evening. I'm Cyrus uh, Hayden of the law firm of Crandall and Crandall. Oh, yes. Come in, Mr. Hayden. We're all here, as you asked us to be. Mr. Marks, Mr. Kelly, Mr. Larkin, and I, I am Mrs. Croton. How do you do, Mrs. Croton? Uh, follow me, Mr. Hayden. Stop. Well, Mr. Hayden, now that you've got us here in the Croton home, it... <laughs> It seems to me you might tell us what the excitement is all about. No excitement, Mr. Larkin. No excitement at all. It's just that in the course of investigating Mr. Croton's business affairs, the law firm of Crandall and Crandall, with which I am associated, has unearthed some startling information. About whom? I am not ready to say yet, Mr. Kelly. Not until all the facts have been verified. It has something to do with Switzerland. Switzerland? Yes, Mrs. Croton. Switzerland. Uh, which reminds me, uh, how do you like this brandy I brought you? Oh, it's delicious. I think so. Very mild, too. Would you like another glass, Mr. Hayden? I think that's splendid, I dare. Uh, gentlemen? Yes, oh, thank you. Very much. Uh, Agnes. Oh, Agnes. Uh, yes, Mrs. Croton. Will you please bring all of us another glass of brandy? You can remember whose glass belongs to whom. Oh, yes, madam. I'll keep them all separate. And uh, meanwhile, I'll make a phone call, if you'll excuse me for a moment. But Hayden... What about that startling information you had for us? Are you deliberately trying to keep us in suspense? Don't be ridiculous. I have to call Mr. James Crandall. And uh, since what I have to tell you will uh, take quite a while, I suggest that we all of us uh, stretch our legs a little. Now we can settle down to business again. <clears throat> No, that uh, brandy really is delicious, isn't it? Oh, forget about the brandy, will you, Hayden? That's a little bit difficult, isn't it, Larkin, since we were all drinking brandy before John Croton's death. So we were, Kelly. That's strange. What is strange about it, Mr. Marks? Oh, I beg your pardon. <clears throat> all of a sudden, I feel so sleepy. So do I. Well, uh, to get back to um, uh, what I was saying about... Uh, Switzerland. Oh, yes, uh, Mrs. Croton, uh, Switzerland. You know, I uh, I definitely feel drowsy. I, I mean excessively drowsy. Uh, could it be that this brandy... Wait a minute. What's the matter, Mr. Hayden? I'd swear that this wasn't the glass that I had before. Now, I hate to sound fussy, but... You you mean you, you think the glasses got switched? I definitely recall that mine had a tiny scratch on it in the base. Agnes! Agnes. Uh, yes, Mrs. Croton. Did you give everyone back his own brandy glass? Did you? Oh, no, madam. I I made a mistake. They all got mixed around. I realized it too late. What? Agnes, you should have taken fresh glasses. I'm dreadfully sorry, Mrs. Croton. I'm afraid it's too late now. I'm afraid it's decidedly too late now, since we've all of us practically finished our brandy. Well, to continue... Wait. I'm beginning to feel sleepy, too. So am I, Keith. This is the way... This is the way we, we felt the night that John Croton was killed and, and Kelly and I were put to sleep. Yes. Yes, that's right. Then one of us is meant to die. Please. That is ridiculous. No, it's not. 
Someone here intended to kill you, Mr. Hayden. Whoever got your glass, Mr. Hayden, is going to die. He's right. Laura's right. But which one of us got his glass? Did you say there was a scratch on it? Uh, so small, Mr. Kelly, you could hardly see it. But, uh, I can't believe that. No, it's too melodramatic. My husband was murdered with a sleeping potion, wasn't he? Maybe all of us will die. Not all of us. One of us would die. The rest would simply go to sleep. Oh, excuse me. And, um, I suppose there's some sort of, um, an antidote. I don't know why. Antidote? Why, certainly. Mr. Larkin, there usually is an antidote to a poison. But, as I say, I re refuse to get hysterical over nothing. Wait, you're falling asleep right now. No more than you are, Mr. Marks. All of us are. Keith. I do feel drowsy. Can't deny it now. I wonder which one of us is going to die. No. No, I won't have it. Mr. Kelly. I won't have it. I refuse to die like this. Nothing can be done. You're wrong. Call the hospital. There is an antidote, and I know what it is. You know what you're saying, Mr. Kelly? Yes, I know what I'm saying, but I don't care. I'm sure I'm the one who got the glass. Your glass, Hayden. And I'd rather face a murder charge than die the way John Croton died. I arrest you, R.J. Kelly, for the murder of John Croton. Who are you? You're not Hayden. You're not a lawyer. No, no, he's not. He's Chameleon the cop. And I knew it, and I was trying to kill him. Well, this no. is... Just as you killed John Croton. Yes, yes, I killed him. But ring the hospital. Get that antidote. I don't want to die. You're not going to die yet, Kelly. You didn't get my glass. What? I first got on to you, Kelly, when I found out it was you that won that chemistry prize in Switzerland years ago for developing the sleeping potion which you used on John Croton. Yes, Mr. Comedian. I was the one. For how the devil you found that out, I don't know. It was so long ago. Oh, we're very thorough at Central Headquarters, Mr. Kelly. Patient and thorough. We immediately started investigating sleeping potions in the laboratories which developed them. And there you were, years back, an obscure young man named R.J. Kelly. And I'll tell you how you managed it, Kelly. On the night of that dinner party, when Keith Larkin walked out, that was when you dosed the brandy of the others. Yes, they all got up to try and stop him. It only took a moment to do the job. And you deliberately put yourself to sleep along with Mark's. And you deliberately left Larkin's glass untouched thinking that would cast suspicion on him. A filthy thing to do, Kelly. How could you do that to Keith? In the same way tonight, Kelly, I, in my disguise as Cyrus Hayden, was to die because I had discovered your secret. And only Larkin again would have a drug-free glass. And it almost worked, Mr. Comedian. It would have worked if that maid Agnes hadn't made that stupid mistake and switched the glasses. I was so careful to put the lethal dose in your glass. Yes, we left the way clear for you to slip into the dining room to try to poison me. But and... which one of them got your glass? None. I have saved the murder glass as evidence against you, Kelly. But, but why did I feel so drowsy, Mr. Comedian, and so did everyone else? I, I saw... The police doctor gave me a very mild dose of your own discovery, Kelly. Just enough to make you feel slightly drowsy. Agnes put it in your glass. I did this to break you down. But we all felt sleepy too, Mr. Comedian. Pure imagination, Miss Croton. You know how it is. If one person comes in a room, starts to yawn, the others do too. The scene here was a perfect setting for that sort of thing. A dirty trick, Chameleon. No. Just a policeman's trick. And you know, Agnes, it was amazing. Even I, just for a moment there, was almost sure that I was falling asleep. <laughs> I suppose you thought I'd double-crossed you, Mr. Chameleon. When I needed an accomplice to trap the murderer, my instinct told me to trust you, Agnes, just as Mrs. Croton has always been able to trust you. 
Uh, you're staying with it, of course. Oh, yes, sir. I think she needs me. I think so, too, Agnes. Yes, I'm almost as proud of being able to prove your innocence as I am of being able to put my finger on the killer. And with these words, Mr. Chameleon concludes tonight's murder case. It's only natural that when you have an ordinary headache, you want fast relief. And to find out how quickly Bayer aspirin is ready to go to work, all you need do is test it in a glass of water. What happens to Bayer aspirin in the glass also happens in your stomach. And the speed with which it disintegrates indicates the speed with which it's ready to go to work. When you make this test, you'll see that Bayer aspirin starts disintegrating almost instantly, is actually ready to go to work in two seconds. Hence, it provides remarkably fast relief. So when you need something to relieve pain, be sure of how quickly it will act. Be sure with Bayer Aspirin. When you buy, ask for Bayer Aspirin, not just for aspirin alone. Get the 100-tablet bottle and you get Bayer Aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. Listen next Wednesday night at this same time for Mr. Chameleon, the man of many faces, in The Case of Death at the Blue Peacock. The part of Mr. Chameleon is played by Carl Swenson, with dialogue by Marie Baumer from the original story by Frank and Ann Hummert. Music directed by Victor Arden. Your announcer is Howard Claney. Attention, everyone. All this week, your druggist is featuring a special combination offer of a large-sized tube of New Lion's toothpaste and a superb quality tech toothbrush. The list price for both is 79 cents. But during this sensational bargain offer, you can get both for only 59 cents. So to save money, to get a combination that's tops for cleaning and brightening teeth, take advantage of this Lion's toothpaste tech toothbrush offer that gives you a 79-cent value for only 59 cents. Listen for Mr. Chameleon in The Case of Death at the Blue Peacock next Wednesday night at this time. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. I don't know about you, but during that part where Chameleon was pretending to be asleep and everybody else was kind of pretending to have fallen uh, towards sleep, I was having a bit of trouble staying awake. It's weird how that worked. You know, you're not actually talking to somebody, but you're listening to audio. And I found myself nodding off. So thus the warning. Uh, I did at the beginning of this episode. Uh, using a poison you develop to kill someone and expecting it not to be tracked down and tied to you is pricelessly stupid. It's true that many smart people can also be very stupid as well, 
Uh, so many examples of this, uh, this may have been a little too stupid. If you're a chemical genius, you could also figure out how to use something that didn't lead directly back to you. Then again, I'm not a chemical genius, so take that for what you will. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we start out with Ryan, who writes, Am I the only person that enjoys Mr. Chameleon? It's the old... A radio version of Psych or something lighter like that. A bit dumb, but still highly enjoyable. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for the comment. And the answer is, you're certainly not the only person to like Mr. Chameleon. I think that the show, despite the fact that I poke fun at some issues that it has and others will share their opinion on the series. And I think that's really part of the fun, is you, you can share your opinion, what you like, what you don't like, what you find silly, what you really actually thought was quite good about a given series. I think that despite that, Mr. Chameleon is enjoyed by a lot of listeners. It does great on YouTube, and we have some more, uh, I think, overall positive responses on the series uh, this week as well. Over on Facebook, Eric writes, As promised, Mr. Chameleon is back. I know the Hummerts get a lot of grief, but they really perfected the background listening narrative form in soap operas, where just enough happened to get you hooked, but not so much happened, so that if you need to skip a few days or have to focus on making dinner while listening, you feel like you missed something important. Their system doesn't translate into detective shows. As I said in the earlier run, Mr. Chameleon is a great idea for a radio show that suffers greatly in execution. Still, it's easy enough to have on in the background while making dinner. Wait! Maybe it's a successful Hummer vehicle after all. I think you might have a point there, Eric. Then we have an email from George who writes, Hi, Adam. I've heard a few episodes now of Mr. Chameleon, and in general, I'm enjoying them. I had an observation to share with you, and I'm curious if anyone feels the same way. The music for this series sounds very mid-1930s both in the style and even in the tonal qualities. It just doesn't seem to fit a program from the late 40s. Is it just my imagination? Well, George, I think that's actually an interesting point. You inspired me to go and check and find out what the theme song to Mr. Chameleon is, and it's actually a song called The Masquerade. And it's from 1932. The music was by John Jacob Loeb, and there are actually lyrics to the song by Paul Francis Webster. I'd play the song for you, but under federal copyright law, all records from 1932 are under copyright until January 1st, 2033. But you can find it on YouTube. Uh, there were a lot of different uh, groups that performed it. Uh, Jack Hyland and his orchestra. Ted Black and his orchestra. The Majestic Dance Orchestra. Just put in Masquerade 1932 song in Google and they pretty much all came up. Now in terms of why playing a 1932 song on a series that launched in 1948, I had a couple of thoughts. First of all, uh, one of the big target audiences for the Hummer Productions were 
housewives, many of whom were middle-aged. So playing a song from 1932, that might be something your target audience would enjoy. I know that a lot of folks from my age are much more into music from the 1990s or early 2000s than modern music. That's one possible answer. Another one, and this is the one I think may explain it better, is that in many ways this series is a clone of Mr. Keen with just enough change to make it its own thing and for it to have its own sort of gimmick. And I think that the Hummerts had to be hoping that folks who enjoyed Mr. Keen would also listen to Mr. Chameleon. Mr. Chameleon's theme song was Someday I'll Find You, which was written by Noel Coward and premiered in 1930. Now, of course, Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Person, premiered in 1937, so it wasn't as obvious of thing that you've got a seven-year-old song as the theme tune. And, of course, even though the song continued to age, it was part of the Mr. Keene tradition as the series continued to air. It definitely stands out more to use a 1937 to theme on a series launched in 1948. But the idea that, okay, we're going to have a theme tune that ties into the program. Someday I'll find you for Tracing Lost Persons and Masquerade for someone who is always going in disguise. That, I think, is the appeal, is is trying to match to Mr. Keene. If anyone has any additional thoughts on why the theme tune was chosen, I'd love to hear it. I'll admit that I'm just kind of speculating because this isn't a series where it's been like deeply studied. There was actually a book I read on Mr. Keene that was written by Jim Cox, but remember until a few years ago there were only two episodes of Mr. Chameleon in circulation. So doing a book on it wouldn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. Thanks so much for the question, George. And also on YouTube we did a survey of people's thoughts on Philo Vance and we got some interesting ones. Uh, we have this one from Ultianor. I'd love to see Philo Vance and Nick Carter locked in a room together in a battle of annoying sidekicks and city officials who worship at their feet. But at least Nick Carter, uh, he made some mistakes and had smarter adversaries, whereas Philo uh, was just surrounded by stupid people, so he doesn't have to worry about making mistakes. Plus, most of Philo's cases would have been thrown out of court by a half-decent public defender due to his getting into a fight with every criminal uh, I see attitude. But still better than sh those champagne velvet ads that Boston Blackie had the last few months. Those were grating on the nerves. Lol. Uh, thanks, Adam, for all you do. Uh, God bless. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate the comment. And yeah, the champagne velvet ads. They may be gone from the show, but they live in people's hearts. <laughs> Then we have a comment from Angel. Philo is just too ridiculous and Markham is such a beta. These to me are versions of greatness. Uh, Ronser says the show was pretty bad. Almost too bad to miss. Philo is so pompous. Everyone else is so dim. Maybe it was, as you have speculated, a spoof on Richard Diamond, Sam Spade, and Marlowe. 
I, I don't think it was an intentional spoof, but it could definitely serve as one. Uh, and uh, then I have a comment. I thought the series was great fun. It was silly at times, but I grew to like that part of it. Uh, Betsy says, I just love the Vance Markham dynamic. And then we have a comment from Bud, love the schmaltz. Thanks so much, everyone, to com for commenting. And even though we got a lot of comments over the years about Philo Vance, the YouTube poll actually showed 53% thought the series was great, and 33% of those responding thought it was good. So I think folks that enjoyed the series long enough to uh, continue listening to it week in and week out generally enjoyed it. And in answer to the uh, previous question, I think that's uh, probably the case with Mr. Chameleon as well. It's just sometimes with these shows, they have a lot of odd things in them and they give folks a lot to talk about. Finally, Quirky Kaleidoscope writes, You're awesome, Adam. Keep it up and don't you dare stop. I get so much out of your commentary. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your kind comments. And now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Timothy, Patreon supporter since April of 2017, currently supporting the program at the Master Detective level of $15 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software and be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download us from. We will be back next Thursday with another episode of Mr. Chameleon, but join us back here tomorrow for the conclusion of this week, yours truly, Johnny Dollar Serial, where... Finally, she picked up my watch. This watch... I see tall buildings of stone and strange signs on them. I don't know what they mean. Tri-mutual universal adjustment. Huh? Randy. And I see great sheaves of papers carefully folded. And on each one it says, policy. Policy. I don't understand unless... Insurance, yes. This is fantastic. Wait till she gets to one I put there. The watch is from a young man. Clever, energetic. I will have many things to tell him at another time. But he must see me again. Often. And now, this other object that lay beneath the watch. I see a police badge. The cops! Oh, I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.